This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Venice, and I've got a message from a friend of mine about my favorite podcast. It's your boy, Flavor Flav in full effect. Check this out, everybody. I want y'all to go check out TJ. What's good, everybody? TJ Johnson here from Voice from the Underground. I am the most handsome. Big ass. And I'm smoking my cigar, of course. You know what I'm saying? The Dutch. You pick me up in an Uber and a PT Cruiser, I'm calling Lyft. Because <laughs> <laughs> they be fighting the power, talking about social issues, politics, you know what I'm saying? And we're not even that good. Right, we're terrible. <laughs> terrible. Tangents all over the place. And not only that, but they be keeping the fun with the sports, music, comics, and movies too. Am I allowed to I talk? Think, I think no, not right now. <laughs> Shut Did up, just... colonizer! <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He on Twitter at VFU Podcast. So you can find him. You can find him. So check one two. This is Flavor Flav. Yeah, boy. Okay. What Flav was trying to say is, check out Voice from the Underground on your favorite podcast network. Voice from the Underground. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best move. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am cruel. That I did know. These people may be isolated and unbalanced, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen, online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the intrepid trio, Eric, Kylan, and myself, Mike. How's everything going, guys? I'm better. Good. Yeah. Better. I, I have a computer again. So I you am ever, back. Did hmm? you ever find out if it was AIM, Hydra, someone new? Howard the Duck. No. I won't say what site he was trying to get on. <laughs> but um, he and I have had a nice long conversation about how he is not supposed to touch my computer ever again. I wonder how long that'll last. Probably until my back is turned. <laughs> Well, check, check out the homepage, MightyMarvelGeeks.net. Uh, support our affiliates on the right-hand side of the page. Also, too, the, click the images of our partners, Found Me, who make the Bluetooth trackers, and Heroes and Villains, um, who they make a bunch of great stuff. 
be it Hellfire Club, Son of Batman, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, which they just introduced two new items, and they're both umbrellas, a Boba Fett helmet and X-Wing pilot helmet umbrella. Well, okie dokie. Um, use the code field agents for 15% off your first purchase or a one-time 15% off purchase um, with that code. Also to check out our web store, uh, we are trying to mod- trying to fix the Mighty Marvel Geeks word balloon to fit on the ball cap. We just haven't gotten there yet. Um, but ball caps, hat, uh, jerseys, hockey and baseball, uh, sweatshirts, t-shirts, etc. Bunch of great logo merch there. Um, also, too, we have a winner from the Star Wars giveaway. Congrats to Rocco del Judicia. I hope I didn't butcher it too much. Um, <laughs> and he's from your neck of the woods, Kylan. Uh, he is? Where? Macedonia. Really? Oh, yeah. That's close. So, uh, congrats to him for winning a uh, bunch of great stuff. So, um, stories are a little light this week. Uh, we are going to be covering uh, some stuff in regards to She-Hulk and uh, 2099 and some games and Miss Marvel and how Steve Jobs helped purchase Marvel. But one place we uh. need to go first. Do I need to play that again for you guys? Uh, no, it's, it, it's nope, been a problem. Nope, I got it the first time. Well, that only means it's time for Marvel Family Feud. So, uh, give me a number between one and five, somebody. Seven. Oh, never mind. I can uh, do that to you. Five. Three, sir. Three. Four, six, seven. Number between one and five, we've chosen seven. And here is the following question. Name name a talent that Jessica Jones would demonstrate in a talent show. Seven answers on the board. So, Eric, since you picked the number seven, Kylan, you go first. <sighs> Lifting. Uh... No, sorry. Got which button switch? It's been so long. Strike. Weightlifting is not. Well, how about okay. drinking? Okay, wait, wait, wait. With bodybuilding, would y'all consider that the same as weightlifting? Uh, they usually go hand in hand. Yeah. All right. So no strikes for Kylan. All right. Okay. Um. That can't, that was number five. That was okay. number five. Okay. I said drinking. Mm. I call shenanigans. <sighs> um, jumping. Uh, Wait a minute. Couldn't she fly at one point? I'm going to say flying. Okay. okay. I, I know that's three strikes, but I think I just thought of one. No, you you have one strike. Oh, I, oh okay. Insults. I got two. So what was your answer, Kyla? Insults. What? Name a talent that Jessica Jones would demonstrate in a talent show. My turn or his turn? Yep. Eric's turn. Yep. Okay. All right. Since clearly what normally we would think of as talents on Jessica Jones's part are not reflected by the public at large, I'm going to say singing. Number one answer. What? Okay. If that's she'd what we're singing, gonna do. <laughs> she'd be singing honky tonk songs. Uh, I, well, okay. I got one. Dancing? Oh, wow. Number two answer. I'm done. <laughs> okay, singing, dancing. Oh, we 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 have three versions of this game now in the house. We have Star Wars, Marvel, and Disney, which is oh, Disney and Pixar. Okay. 
All right, so it's back to me. So this is probably going to end this round. So good game, Kylan. I'm going to go ahead and say that now. <laughs> I'm going to say juggling. No. <laughs> number four. So number one, singing. Number two, dancing. Number four, juggling. Number five, bodybuilding. Still form eight, one. Five, six, and seven, right? Three. Oh, and bodybuilding. Three, six, and seven. Are still left. Uh, juggling, singing, dancing. Uh, gosh, I, magic tricks. Chance to steal, Eric. There's a part of me that wants to say baton twirling. What? <laughs> Number three answer. I'm okay. done. Okay, whoever made this game clearly, clearly knows nothing about Jessica Jones. Because most of her talents, you really can't talk about in decent conversation. <laughs> I would say we just did, but... Well, yeah. The bed's fixed. <laughs> uh, number four, juggling. That was going to be my next guess. Number I thought you said juggling. You said baton twirling. I, no, that was the last one. I did say juggling, yeah. When? No. Yes. Yeah, I said juggling uh, before he said baton twirling. Yes. Okay, my mistake. Because because I thought that was, I, I thought surely that wasn't going to be on there. And I had already conceded the round to Kylan. That's right, yes, that's right. Did. Number six, balancing. Oh, my gosh. Number seven, fire breathing. I'm done. <laughs> I, I I can't even. I don't I, I don't know what to say. Do we want Jessica to Jones is Miss Congeniality. <laughs> Pretty much, about, yeah. How about we go one more one, one more round okay. to start off? All right, let's so just Kylan, pick a number. Four. And the category is put my other cards up. Eight answers on the board. Name Iron Fist's favorite color. Eric, you first. Green. Number two. Easy. Iron Fist's favorite color? Yep. Mm, yellow. Number five. What? Those are two colors in this. Um, all right. Anyway, go ahead. All right. Um, we, we've gone over. I, I'm tempted to say white. Just why not? <laughs> well, I'm going to go with black. Number six. Eric, back to you. No, I feel like I'm in Monty Python, the Holy Grail, <laughs> where the bitch keeper is asking me, what? Is your favorite color? Um, I'm going to say red. Number one answer. Red? Red. The blood of his enemies. So we've gotten green, red, yellow, and black. Purple. And one strike apiece. Four answers left. Um, blue. Number three. Okay. Only so many in the rainbow, Colin. I feel bad for you, bud. I know. I'm sitting there like, what's else? Is it purple, red, black, white? Uh, 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 pink. Number seven, two answers left. Okay, so we've got red, blue, green, yellow, black, pink, mm, brown. Okay, so he's not into earth tones. I get that. <laughs> uh, you know what? If 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 I hit with pink, let's go with orange. All right, well, there's that. Two answers left. It's back to you, Eric. Ah, uh, um, gold. Chance to steal. Uh, 
Silver. For the win. Silver, number eight. Number four was gray. I almost think that. How did they determine what his favorite colors were? Probably asking people. Oh my gosh! Who knows? I mean, I, I mean, this is going based on the co- based on his costumes. He had one. He did have one that was red when he was kind of evil. But they've uh, and there was one that was white. But they've all, for the most part, been some mix of yellow and green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of green, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine star Stephanie Beatriz wants to play She Hulk. Okay. Nice way. You know, uh, is is she the one that's like the really tough? She uh, is Detective Rosa Diaz. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I'm okay with that. And I think this is a good choice. Yeah, I can see that. Um, now Brooklyn Nine Nine is heading into season seven, but she's already had the experience playing a heroic character, so it would only seem appropriate to add superhero to her resume. Mm-hmm. So. Um, after a blood train, of course, we know the whole backstory of, you know, she received a blood transfusion from Bruce and developed the same type of green powerhouse powers. Uh, Jennifer has always considered her abilities to be a gift. So, um, seeing her, you know, Beatrice as, as a She-Hulk would be awesome. Uh, when asked by E.T., about the online rumblings that she would be a perfect casting choice, she re- responded, I would die to play that role. That is so flattering. It's one of the best characters in that universe. Uh, she continues, I definitely have upped my workouts since reading some of these things or some of those things. I also, I think it would be really exciting for fans to see some of these characters that we kind of just kind of decided are one thing to sort of be imagined in a different way. So I got a problem with the character. I really don't with with the the actress playing it. But again, and this is what we touched on last time when we were talking about Rob Ralphie. It it really doesn't matter what the actress looks like normally. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they are they're gonna all right, I say they're gonna, but we don't have you know, we don't know that for certain, but most likely they would put that actress in a motion capture suit and do She-Hulk full CG. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it, if they could have her looked a little buffed up for when she's not She-Hulk, assuming she's going to transform back and forth for an episode or two. Yeah, I mean, that's not a problem. I mean, it, it's 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 not a problem, but the the point is when she's the She-Hulk, it's not. It's it's a mocap. Yeah. Let's see. Height. She's five six. All right. Jennifer Walters, according to MarvelFandom.com, uh, Jennifer Walters is five foot ten. Mm-hmm. Okay. As as She-Hulk, she is six foot seven. So basically, according to this, she goes from 5'10", 150 pounds, to 6'7", and 700 pounds. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess my question would be, if they do 5'6", could they, do they still go to 6'7"? And if so, are they going to go the same look as uh, Smart Hulk, as they say in, uh, in Endgame? Professor Hulk. They never called him Professor Hawk. They just called him Smart. He's care. called Smart Hawk. I don't care. Okay. I don't care. I, They're a bunch of. Well, so here's the thing that people. 
Here's the thing that was brought out in the comics. The reason why Jennifer preferred to stay in her She-Hulk form, she liked her physique. With you, I thought you hated direct TV. Okay, because as, as Jennifer, direct TV. she was, I mean, she worked out and everything, but she felt like she was kind of plain Jane. Right. But as she, she was, you, you know how they draw her. I'm just saying. That being well, said, uh, you know, I don't, I totally don't blame her for that. I totally would. I mean, if I had the physique I had, but if I hulked out, I was, you know, even, even if I was, even if I was, you know, closer to the way uh, Professor Hulk is, I'd be fine with that. Like he said, hey, he can wear shirts again. So, you know. <laughs> So I would think I I would say if you're if they doing a CG She-Hulk, especially with the technology we have now, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be outside of the realm to have her as six foot seven and as like a, oh my make an impression when she walks in a room kind of right. that's what I think. Okay. I mean that's just in keeping with her iteration in the comics. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm there with you. Well, at least in Sensational She-Hulk. I mean, I, I know that she, you know, in the past year, there's been some issues. So, you know, that she's not that way as much anymore. But for the most part, when people think of She-Hulk, you know, they, they think of since they think more along the lines of Sensational She-Hulk. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think I agree with all you guys. Or both of you guys, it's gonna have to be a uh, a CG. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you can't have a five foot six She Hulk. No. I. Now, granted, you could use all these different kinds of special effects, force perspective, and whatnot, to basically just spray paint her green and let her do it that way. Right. But. It's just going to be a whole lot better all around if you CG it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to have to. Because you're going to have to CG everything around her anyway when she starts going Hulk smash. Yeah. So, yeah, just 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 do her like Professor Hulk. And, you know, she wants to she wants to beef up some. Fine. That's fine. But I mean, understand. <laughs> Uh, understand her real thing is going to be motion capture yep. unless they play this like the old incredible hulk show of the 1970s no i mean i mean, I mean it's like, like you she goes around most of the episode as jennifer walters and then you know about 10 minutes till the top of the hour boom something happens and she hulks out uh, I'm not sure if that would fly i mean they could do it that way but i don't i'm not sure if that would fly I don't know. I kind of like the idea of her being being able to choose. Yeah. Although, I mean, by the time we get to Endgame, it seems that Bruce is – that's how he is now. Like, I don't know if that was a choice of his or if his, that's just – he managed to you know, meld – sort of like in the comics that he managed to meld you know, all the different personalities yeah. to – and see, that was one of my biggest complaints about Endgame. Mm-hmm. We, the the most explanation we got on that was I started thinking of him as the solution. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, are you freaking kidding me? I've been waiting 10 years, 10 years for a Professor Hulk, and we get one lousy line of exposition as to how we got to it. Mm-hmm. 
I know. I was I was wanting more that I, I don't know. There maybe there was this part of me that was hoping to see him change at will. You see, I it didn't mind. I it did not matter to me that he couldn't change back or that he didn't change back. Mm-hmm. But the Professor Hulk never changed back. Right. That's true. Or at least none of the ones that I remember from from that run. Yeah, I believe he he hasn't changed back. So that yeah. right there. Well, he during I think Civil War two, he was as Bruce Banner when he got killed. Mm-hmm. I think this was Civil War Two when Hawkeye shoots him through the eye. Okay, but during that time, but during the time of Professor Hulk, I don't remember him changing back at all. There was one. There was one uh, issue I had where he was in. Uh, he was in the lab, and he was like on on a riser or something, and he misstepped and fell, and he changed in mid fall, and that was while he was Professor Hulk. But I don't know if what if it was I don't know if it was the same as I don't know if it was the transition like to where he was Professor Hulk the whole time or if that was where he was on the road to it. But I did remember seeing that happen in an episode and it was it, uh, in a comic and it was it was after the Joe Fix It phase. Well, he, you know? he did do it in uh, the Incredible Hulk movie, Edward Norton. When he fell out of the plane, right? I guess he changed right as he hit the street. Right. Mm, so I don't know, but I would like to see her. I mean, if she hulks out and you know, they go with the savage She Hulk. Okay, I'm cool with that too. But I kind of like the I kind of like the more sensational version. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to see which direction they go. Hmm. But comic book wise. Um, Marvel is looking to explore the 2099 universe later this year, and we have what that may look like. But with them, you've got to watch out for that, because this little mark hides big... I'm sorry, guys. Nah, it's perfectly fine. (laughs) Man, they're bringing back 2099. Oh. They're bringing back 2099, which is awesome. Yes. Yeah. Uh, some, of the, some of the 2099s were some of my favorite comic stories of all time. Yes. Yes. I loved Doom 2099. I loved Punisher 2099. Yeah, Punisher 2099 was awesome. I was a big fan of Spider-Man 2099. Yeah, that too. Um, um, not Ravage. as big fan. Yes, Ravage 2099. He was the, I think he was the only one out of the 2099 characters who was not patterned after a, a 20th century. Right. You know, a modern day guy or gal. I, I, I kept hoping to see a Daredevil 2099, but that didn't happen. You know what would be cool for a, and I'm just going to call this right now, a Daredevil 2099. He's blind. But he has been given cybernetic eyes that have a they have a myriad of options, kind of like he's got thermal, he's got X-ray, he's got uh, targeting, he's got night vision, like sort of like Jordy and uh, um, yes. next generation. Yes, yes, I love it. I love it. Action Jordy. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, they did a Daredevil twenty ninety nine. Did they? Yep. I had to miss it. At least according to uh, Marvel Unlimited. Was in two thousand four. Yeah. Okay. Ah. This was after I 
stopped collecting the 2099s. So this must have been this was like the second run of 2099s. Okay. It looks like it. Oh no, this is I, I like this version too. He was the grandson of Kingpin. Oh. Oh no. Basically, yeah. he is the 2099 Kingpin. Ooh. And he is and I love this idea. It says here, and I'm reading from MarvelFandom.com again. Uh, let's see. Samuel Fisk is the grandson of Wilson Fisk, once the kingpin of crime, in the year 2099. As a child, Samuel heard his father tell and retell of the Fisk family triumph when Wilson Fisk defeated his nemesis, Daredevil, in a game of wits, killing him. Samuel was disgusted both by the tale of how his crime lord grandfather had slain the hero and the pride with which his father told it. Samuel grew up and eventually assumed control of all Fisk family interests, including a vast crime empire and several legitimate business interests. Samuel remained guilty, however, over the source of his power. At one point, Samuel decided to atone for his family's crimes by taking up the mantle of his family's greatest enemy, Daredevil, to fight crime himself. Lacking any real skill and never one to turn his back on, quote-unquote, the easy way out, Samuel spent a considerable portion of his family's fortune on an advanced battle suit, which makes up for his lack of training and talent. Okay. Hmm. That sounds interesting. Wow. Okay, I'm going to have to give that a read. Okay. Well, the covers they show on this, because uh, they're it's expected to kick off with the events of Amazing Spider-Man number 33 that will bleed into issues 34 and 35, um, and will, as well as a wide array of one-shots. Already announced was Punisher, Conan, and Fantastic Four. The December outputs will include issues focusing on Doom, Spider-Man, Ghost Rider, and more. The issues will enlist a creative team that includes Jody Hauser, Nick Spencer, and Chip Zdarsky, Francesco Mobile, and Gerardo Sandoval. So, um, and this is from comicbook.com, and then they show the covers for 2099 number one, uh, which is written by Chip Zdarsky, Spider-Man 2099, uh, which is by um, Nick Spencer. Uh, Nick Spencer also does 2099 itself. Uh, Ghost Rider, which we all love this cover, written <laughs> by Ed Brinson, or Brinson uh, and Venom, done by Jody Hauser. I hate that website. That's why I <laughs> muted the Google Chrome channel in the mixer. All right. So. Actually, was a second Daredevil 2099. Okay. There, there were two Daredevil 2099s. Okay. The other one was a guy by the name of Eric Nelson. But unfortunately, when I started reading it, the uh, the ad started playing and I couldn't do anything about it. So ah. I just shut Sorry. No need oh, no, to be. No. Just like Marvel's not sorry that they're planning to begin filming Miss Marvel in 2020. I almost said 2099. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2020, um, her show will begin filming in September. So it looks like uh, we'll be looking at 2021 for her show to appear. Uh, right now, there is no casting 
or casting is currently underway, so there's no announcement. And they're likely looking for an un, unknown actress to play Kamala, which would be a great move as well. Right. Uh, yeah. So, um, so with this potential uh, of the show starting, um, they are leaning into the comic bookness of the character. Uh, she's got very comic booky powers, and um, according to uh, G. Willow Wilson, he says, um, God bless them for trying to bring that to live action. I don't know how that's going to work in a way that doesn't look creepy. So I kind of agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited for the show. Yeah, we'll see how that works. So, um, I mean, if they were able to do the stretch arms with Fan- Mr. Fantastic, then they could easily do it for for her. Right. So, just saying. Yeah. Now, well, you know, I mean, uh, and, and she she does the whole, what she called the embiggen thing. So, along with the elasticity, she can, like, increase the size of her. Usually, she increases the size of her fist before she punches someone. Mm-hmm. Actually, right. I'm kind of jealous of that. <laughs> it, well, you know, Popeye used to do that all the time. You know, he'd just blow on his thumb and his fist would inflate. That's right, he would. Right. <laughs> you know, we've talked about She-Hulk being primarily a CGI character, but I think Kamala probably will be as well. Not all the time. Right. But clearly... Clearly, when she embiggens and stretches, then, yeah, that's all going to have to be. Right. Obviously. And that makes sense for that. Yeah. Just like it's going to make sense to take whoever the actress is that plays Jennifer mm-hmm. and mocap her in order to be six, seven. Right. Yeah. And they're probably they're probably going to get like full detailed, highly detailed computer scans of at least their heads and faces. Right. Right. I would not be surprised if they basically put them in a bodysuit and just say, stand right here, let's get the whole thing. True. Man, True. Which is, I mean, you think about it, it's, it's why, I mean, if you look at uh, Incredible Hulk and what they did with that version of Hulk and Ed Norton, and you look at what they were able to do with Endgame, you know, yeah. and, and Hulk now, it just looks like a beefier version of, of Mark Ruffalo. Right. Yeah. Which really is what he should. Yeah. Beefier, maybe a little more brutish looking. Yes. And you saw that you saw more and more of it as the MCU went on. Yeah. I think I think we've talked about this in another issue of the show is with every movie, you got to see more and more of Ruffalo. Right. In in appearance and in mannerisms. So you go back and you take what, what some people call the 30,000-foot look or the 30,000-foot view. You see we are transitioning. We have been transitioning to Professor Hulk since the first Avengers movie. True. Right. True. And, you know, the other thing, like I was just – if you look at – uh, if you look at the Iron Man movies, if you look at it from the quality of the armor in the first one, which was amazing. Don't get me wrong. It was amazing because I, you know, how many of us actually expected to see a Mark, Mark one, let alone a Mark two armor that actually looked good. Right. Oh, I fully expected a Mark one armor because that's how he got out of captivity. Right. But I mean, to look that good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree uh, with you. And then by the time we get to Endgame, the, the armor is so slick and it's no longer it, – it's more body fitting. It's not just this big hunking but, the, uh, armor for him to fit into. The you know? Endgame armor, to me, they finally got to the point where it looks like the comic book armor. Right. Yeah. And of course, that comes from the nanobots. Mm-hmm. You do the the tech increased every movie to where it's kind of like, well, no longer do you have robotic arms applying armor plates and servos to his body. No, it basically it's almost like a, a tech liquid right. that yeah. flows over him. Yeah, it's almost it's like uh, the. Well, in the comics, the extremist armor. Now, in the MCU, extremist was different. Yeah, but you know the way the extremist armor worked for him. You know, this remi- it reminds me really of the Venom symbiote. Yeah. Yes, and in a way, it kind of is because you've got Friday pretty much controlling it. True, and obeying Tony's commands. So right. basically, you've got a tech-based symbiote as opposed to an alien organism. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure where we were going with this, but hey, we 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 will chase down a rabbit hole. Best of them. Well, that's true. Someone who helped Disney chase down a rabbit hole was Steve Jobs. Uh, apparently, Steve Jobs played a role in helping Disney acquire Marvel. You were just on point with these segues today, dude. Man, that's a good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a job. Not like Steve Jobs, but it's a job. Um, recently, Bob Iger spoke to Vanity Fair about Jobs' influence, uh, revealing that the late Apple inventor, uh, well, innovator, sorry, as a major major factor in the decision to spend money on purchasing Marvel Entertainment. Um, according to Iger, in 2009, after our very successful acquisition of Pixar, we were interested in acquiring Marvel. So I met with Steve and walked through, walked him through the business. He claimed to have never read a comic book in his life. He lies. Because I hate them more than I hate video games. So I bought an encyclopedia of Marvel characters, or I brought a encyclopedia of Marvel characters with me to explain the universe to, to him and show him what we would be buying. He spent 10 seconds looking at it and then pushed it inside and said, is this one important to you? Do you really want it? Is it another Pixar? Um, Okay, never mind. No, No, it's just kind of like, is it another Pixar? That sounds like something totally Steve Jobs-esque. Yeah. Considering he he pretty much created it. um, So... To continue on, when it came to the Marvel question, I told him that I wasn't sure if it was another Pixar, but they had great talent at the company, and the content was so rich that if we held the IP, it would be putting some real distance between us and everyone else. I asked him if he'd be willing to to reach out to Ike Perlmutter, Marvel CEO and controlling shareholder, and vouch for me. Later, after we closed the deal, Ike told me that he still had his doubts, and a call from Steve made a big difference. 
He said, you were true to your word. I was grateful that Steve was willing to do it as a friend, really more than as the most influential member of our board. Every once in a while, I would say to him, I have to ask you this. You're our largest shareholder. And he would always respond, you can't think of me as that. That's insulting. I'm just a good friend. So, well, okay. But wasn't just another Pixar. Then Steve Jobs just wasn't another friend. Who said, yeah, go after it or help out by saying it, it makes me Trudeau's word. what, you know, how things might have gone down if he hadn't asked that question. Right. Or if Iger had said something different. Well, how would it have gone down if Disney didn't own Pixar at that time? True. So, yeah. Um, now, Marvel's Avengers, the game, reveals a new co-op mode in missions. So, like, you or Kylan could come over to the house and we fire up the PlayStation and we could play together? Uh, apparently so. Or if we could do it online, we do it, it's like, just log in and we do it from there. Quite possibly. Uh, apparently, players will be able to control their heroes individually in different moments of the story, but they also be able to coordinate with other players on some co-op missions. Part of the co-op experience is uh, a feature called War Zones, where players find unique missions that bring together these heroes that have leveled up through the story. The developers um, are saying have commented on this mode in a post on the PlayStation blog to explain how players will be able to form a team of supers that will feel rewarding regardless of levels. Uh, this sounds like Destiny's matchmaking. Yeah. Now, Crystal Dynamics studio head Scott Amos uh, touched on the War Zones uh, on the blog. He said it's a co-op experience where you need to decide which role you want to play. For example, someone could take crowd control with Thor, while other player puts Iron Man into the air or leads it from the front with Hulk. Um he continues to say, we also wanted War Zones to be versatile enough that you could play as your leveled up characters with all the high level perks and upgrades that you've earned, but still have lower level friends join you. So we had to figure out how to dynamically scale the world so that if you have a low level Hulk and a super upgraded Thor, there's a way to play together and it won't feel unbalanced. Hmm. Hmm. Which you don't hear many games do that. No, you don't. No. So uh, I think this is great. Uh, of course, this the game. See how it comes out. The game's coming out May fifteenth, twenty twenty, for PlayStation Four, Xbox One, PC, and Google Stadia platforms. So the question's going to be: If I'm playing on PC and you guys are on PS Four, mm-hmm. we can't cross talk to each other. Probably not. Uh, uh, for the most part, like PlayStation 4 is just going to be its own server platform. Right. Xbox One, its own, and PC, its own. Uh, who, who's to say we couldn't create on both the PC platform and on the PlayStation platform the field, the, the Shield Training Academy or the MM or the Field Agents Training Academy, and it becomes our groups to run on those platforms. I don't know that we would be able to call it that per se because something tells me that's the type of name that's going to get claimed pretty quick. Uh, field agents? Uh, we, we can yeah. call, call it MMG field agent. Oh, there you go. True, true. Or the above ground underwater suborbital volcano lair. <laughs> there you go. That too. That, that might be a little bit more characters than the uh, the server naming thing can handle. Yeah. But wouldn't that be fun, though, then all of a sudden all these people come in – have you guys heard of Mighty Marvel Geeks? Well, since you've asked. No, I got it. 
we just call it Hellabus. Oh, yeah. there you go. There you go. The Hellabus. The, the MMG Hellabus Alliance. There you go. The now, Hellabus Boy. Now the, there's another game out there, Marvel Champions. Um, and the designer breaks down how alter egos work and why they decided to make an LL, an L, an LLC, an LC. G and more. So the question is, what's an LCG? Okay, and he's kind of leading us into this because we were actually asking that very question before we started recording tonight. And basically what an LCG is, LCG stands for Living Card Game. Now, this is a term coined and trademarked by Fantasy Flight Games. And I am reading from uh, BoardGameResource.com. So uh, this, I'm, I'm going by what they say this is. Uh, a publisher cr- makes a core set of cards, of course, often including multiple copies of each in the same box. Again, of course, pretty standard procedure. And then adds to that pool of cards with frequent expansions. So far, so good. It's pretty much like Magic the Gathering. Uh, the key difference between an LCG, a living card game, and a CCG, which is also known as a collectible card game, is that the packaging for an LCG is not randomized. So it's not like you know FIFA Ultimate where you buy a loot box and you don't know what you're getting. Right. You should know exactly what you're getting out of this out of this uh, out of this pack. Uh, it says it's important to note that the term LCG can't actually be legally put on the box of any games that aren't published by Fantasy Flight. So it's like calling all carbonated soft drinks Cokes. You, know, you can call it that, but you can't put that on the label right. because Coca-Cola Company will sue your butt. So, uh, yeah, it is a customizable card game. Uh, by customizable, you know, there's <laughs> – Every card is different in a deck. So, you know, however many cards in a deck, that's however many different combinations you can get. Actually, I don't don't correct me on the math. I was told there would be no math. And I know that statistically speaking, I was dead wrong there. But there were just a crap ton of. So, yeah. And here's something else. Um, You can dump a whole lot of money into a card game, whether collectible or living. Uh, Something they've said here. If you want to bring – they use Magic the Gathering as a, as a benchmark. If you want a competitive deck to bring to a standard format Magic event, you could be looking at spending up to $500. Wow. Often less, but sometimes a whole lot more. Wow. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. So, yeah, um, on paper, LCGs are fundamentally the same as CG, CCGs, and I'm skimming through this article now. Uh, offer a very similar gameplay experience. Players build their decks. Uh, they play the game. They grow as players. They adjust their decks as strategies, et cetera, et cetera. However, the, uh, the culture surrounding LCGs is an entirely different beast. First of all, LCGs are dramatically more accessible than CCGs. I, the author says, I can go out and buy a core set of Marvel vs. 2 PCG for... Thirty-four ninety-nine, and own enough copies of every single card that exists to build any deck I want. Uh, when the new expansion comes out eventually, I'll go to the store, spend maybe ten to twenty-five dollars to buy it, 
and I'll once again own everything I could possibly need. So when a game like this is released, everyone is on equal playing field, and therefore elitism is not as prevalent as it is in the CCGs. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm to get into a a customizable card game, I would definitely want an LCG because there's no random chance that I'm going to get a pack of absolutely nothing that I need. Right. LCGs, I mean, you know what you're getting, and from there, you can customize it to what you want. Right. Well... Going back, um, Fantasy Flight is bringing its living card game expertise to the Marvel Universe. So they're going to get to put LCG on the game because they own the rights to that, right? Based on what you were just saying? Yes, Fantasy Flight Games owns that trademark, so yes. Um, There are other Marvel card games on the market, but Champions looks to set itself apart from other games in several ways. Uh, We had a chance... Comicbook.com had a chance to talk with designer Caleb Grace about the game, uh, including why Champions is a living card game and what makes it different from others. Um, According to Grace, Marvel was always going to be a living card game. We began development in 2018, early 2018, with meetings between all three designers, Nate Finch, Michael Boggs and myself, we didn't start discussing the ex- we didn't start by discussing existing Marvel games or even our game's place in the FFG catalog. Instead, we began a conversation about what Marvel comics meant to each one of us. Uh, we talked about things like rich characters, fast-paced action, fun humor, and feeling of empowerment. Our vision for the game was formed around these ideas, and our goal was to create a game that allowed players to experience all of those things. So, um. He continues by saying making Marvel Champions easy to learn was an important part of the design process. Since Marvel comics are popular with people of all ages and backgrounds, we wanted to design a game that could appeal to all of them. As a result, Marvel Champions is by far our most accessible LCG to date. New players tend to pick up pick it up within minutes of starting a demo. Uh, one of the ways Champions sets itself apart is the usage of secret identities, Uh, which is a mechanic that is integral to stopping villain schemes and keeping you and your team alive. It's a delicate tug of war as you decide to switch to your alter ego, um, and that will have consequences regarding villains' choices, Mm. which sounds interesting. Considering Um, that many in Marvel, they actually have an alter ego. Right. Uh, the game is built around the fact that you don't just play as a hero, but that hero's alter ego as well, according to Grace. It determines the villain's behavior during the villain phase. Uh, when you are in hero form, you are in the action and directly confronting the villain. Therefore, the villain will attack you on their turn. But when you're in alter ego form, you are removed from the action and the villain can't attack you because they don't know where you are. However, because you are not to stop the v- you are not there to stop the villain on their turn. They scheme instead of attacking. If the villain is allowed to complete their scheme, the players lose the game. Of course, if the villain inflicts enough damage to reduce your hit points to zero, then you are defeated as well. So a lot of two-way street stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Um, this sounds interesting. Absolutely. So, yeah. I almost want to see him do a... Uh, a mobile version of this as well. Mm-hmm. I think that would be kind of cool too. So I think uh, I, I that that'd be just uh, uh, my new obsession. Yeah. <laughs> so that's gonna wrap it up for our stories for the week. But that does mean something else. 
Here are the picks of the week. And uh, since I have the MU pick this week, I'm going to start us off. That's all right with you guys? Oh, yeah. I'm deeply offended. Please go on. Okay. Uh, first pick of the week for me is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Dark Temple number two, and it's two of five, uh, written by Matthew Rosenberg, or the creative team is Matthew Rosenberg, Paolo Vanelli, and Marco Cacetto, or yes, Cacetto. Following a sudden ambush in the jungles of on Torth, Tortho, young Padwan Siri Junda is left behind to find her own way on a hostile planet. But local freedom fighters are happy to take Sarah Judah Junda in if she will fight by their side. So that's my first pick. Uh, Eric, why don't you head us off next? Okay, my first pick of the week is the Marvel Illustrator Sketchbook Trade Paperback by Jess Herod and Joe Quesada. Practice how to draw comics the Marvel way with this dedicated sketchbook that takes you through all the key stages of the creative process. With advice for the pros on every step, character designs, layouts, pencils, inks, colors, and covers. It's exactly what you need to help develop your skills as an illustrator. Take a journey into artistry with this first-of-its-kind sketchbook, I'll take issue with that, from the House of Ideas. And with lots of hard work and practice, one day, you too can make yours marvel. Featuring lay-flat binding and over 30% instructional pages. I take issue with this because one of my favorite references from when I was doing illustrations was How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way, written by Stan Lee and John Buscema. I have that book. I love that book. I believe you can find a copy of it at Buy Below for five bucks. That's where I got mine. Well, there you go. I have not looked for it there, but that's because I've had mine for like 30 years now. Cool. Nice. So, Kylan, your first pick of the week. My first pick of the week is Fearless, number three, brought to us by... Shauna McGuire, Claire Rowe, and Yasmin Putri, and more. Your favorite heroines unite for an action-packed adventure. Now a four-issue series. Alien invasion at a summer camp for young girls? You know who to call. Captain Marvel is on her way, and she won't be alone. Some of Marvel's biggest heroes unite for the battle of the season. Now, a new mystery puts Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, on the proud and don't miss your dose of her story with profiles on classic and contemporary creators okay well my second pick of the week is ghost spider number two by shannon mcguire takishi miwazawa and george molina new friends new villains same gwen stacy School's in session as Gwen's fall semester begins. What villain from the past stalks Gwen's travels? And with that, we go on to Eric for his second pick of the week. My second pick of the week is the Marvel 80th Anniversary Postcard Book Hardcover. Beloved images from throughout Marvel history, now in collectible postcard format. Frame them, scrapbook them, or mail them to your friends and family if you can bear to part with them. 
Your favorite heroes and maybe a few villains are captured here in unforgettable moments from across eight decades of Marvel majesty, illustrated by the artistic superstars of every era. It's what your collection of Marvel stamps has been waiting for. Excellent. Kylan, your second pick of the week. My second pick is a number one. It is Strike Force, number one, brought to us by Teeny Howard, Jermaine Peralta, and Andrea Sorrentino. No compromise, no mercy. All new ongoing series from the dark minds of rising stars, Teeny Howard and Jermaine Peralta, comes a tale of the underside of the Marvel Universe. A new threat is secretly taking over the planet, and the more people who know about it, the more powerful the threat becomes. Blade dealt with this threat once before and hoped he'd never have to again. He can't bring the Avengers in on this one, not just for their own safety, but for the safety of everyone on Earth. So he must recruit a team of heroes accustomed to darkness, a strike force. Blade, Angela, Spider-Woman, Wiccan, the Winter Soldier, Monica Rambeau, and Damon Hellstrom join forces to fight the fights that no other Marvel team can take on. Okay. Well, my final pick of the week is Star Wars Target Vader number three. It's three of six. Uh, creative team is Robbie Thompson, uh, Stefano Landini, and Nick Klein. The Double Cross. Valance and his crew of bounty hunters have Darth Vader on the ropes, surrounding him with enemy ships. Vader is the greatest pilot in the galaxy, though, and he's about to go head-to-head with the Imperial Navy's former best pilot, Beeler Valance. But if Valance can survive this aerial duel, will he survive betrayal on land as a member of the rebellion lies hidden within his ranks? Hmm. So, Eric, your final pick of the week. My final pick is another postcard book. It is the Spider-Man postcard book hardcover. If you find yourself far from home, what better way to keep in touch with loved ones than by sending them a spectacular Spider-Man postcard? An array of Spidey legends from throughout Marvel history capture your friendly neighborhood hero in amazing art featuring his deadliest foes and most iconic moments. So whether you prefer Ditko or McFarlane, Romita Sr. or Romita Jr., We have just the postcards for you. Stick them on your wall or frame them for display or put them in a photo album and pretend they're Peter Parker snapshots. The possibilities are limitless. Okay. Kylan, your final pick of the week. My final pick is Wolverine Annual, number one, brought to us by Jody Hauser, Geraldo Borges, and David Yarden. Wolverine battles the magic mystery and mayhem buffet. Wolverine's lived many lives. X-Men, Avenger, movie star? Not exactly. But he's followed an inspiring young actress to Los Angeles for a little sunshine and some semblance of a normal life. But behind the gilded golden facade of the 19th, of 1930s Hollywood lurks an unholy cult led by Morgan Le Fay. Their prey, the young Hollywood hopefuls, including Logan's Lady. Will the mighty Logan's claws crumble under the onslaught of the arcane sorceress' magical powers? Find out this December. Oh, September. Wow. (laughs) Find out September. All right. We're almost December. It'll be December before we know it. Oh. Uh, Yeah. We don't don't need to be there already. Start doing Christmas shopping now, man. I'm not ready. (laughs) Um... 
Well, I've got the MU pick of the week, and uh, I went with another classic. And it kind of fits in with what we talked about earlier tonight. 2099 Unlimited Number 1 from 1993. Well, okay. All right. Two riveting stories from Marvel's 2099 universe. Spider-Man 2099 must combat a murderer with a dangerous obsession for evolution. And this villain will do anything to adapt and conquer. Plus meet John Eisenhart, entertainment lawyer turned gamma-radiated beast. Discover the strange origin of Hulk 2099. Mm -hmm. So so that is our picks for the week. So any final thoughts? Uh, You know, today is National Talk Like a Pirate Day, and I can't believe that we went the entire show without thinking about that. uh, Or at least mention, are you kidding me? Are I not be kidding ye? What's well, a pirate's What's favorite a pirate? letter? I already know the answer to this one. Some people think it's the letter R, but it's actually the C. Mm-hmm. What is a pirate's favorite fast food restaurant? Arby's. Are ye be correct, sir? <laughs> <laughs> What's a pirate's favorite part of the periodic table? I don't know. Where it says Argon. <laughs> All right. Well, I do have a final thought. We talked about this briefly before show where, Eric, you said you got a IM from someone talking about Ant-Man 3 reportedly being canceled. Yeah. And may become a Disney Plus show. Well, I found the source of this. Okay. Just a wee little site called We Got This Covered. Uh, wah, 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 wah. I would not lend a lot of... Now, while they have been dead on on some things, this is a total opinion piece. Because they're going, oh, it's been canceled because it wasn't mentioned at San Diego Comic-Con or at D23. Well, okay. There's still quite a bit of things that weren't mentioned at either location. And you know what? We have next month, New York Comic-Con. Yes, we do. Yeah. You know, though, in in all fairness, the the question was, the rumor was Ant-Man 3 was getting canceled because the the heads of Marvel Studios were too preoccupied with bringing in Fantastic Four and X-Men, which, you know, that is possible. But it could also just be the case of maybe they think that an X-Men or Fantastic Four movie would do better at the box office than an Ant-Man sequel. Right. I mean, it. You know, as much as I love Paul Rudd's Ant-Man, I don't have to have an Ant-Man 3. Right. I think Ant-Man really works. He works well as a secondary character in an ensemble movie. Right. He wasn't. So- Although I did. I, I did like Ant-Man and the Wasp. I liked I liked their chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't want it. Right. Because I would love it. But my life is not going to enter into a cataclysmic tailspin if I don't get it. I, I agree. I'm kind of like, if we get one, booyah. If not, right. well. If not, okay, whatever. I agree. We move along. So any other final thoughts before we I think I may I think I may be tapped out Jim boy well <laughs> then um Thursday if you would please all wrapped up here sir will there be anything else nope just time to go dark <laughs> Thank you.
Begin systems check. Encryption protocol complete. Data restored.